Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program is Damon Hoffman from Little Rock, Arkansas, creator of the Ambient Music Project Ceramic, a relatively newer addition to the Ambient Music scene, releasing their first EP in the summer of 2022. Damon and I had a thoroughly enjoyable conversation spanning such topics as his journey towards sobriety, some of the practices that help him find balance when creating music, and even diving deeper into philosophical and almost spiritual topics as it pertains to being a creator. I think that you'll find some enlightening moments during our conversation with bits of wisdom you can take with you and think on for yourself. But without further delay, Please welcome my guest, Damon Hoffman of the Ambient Music Project Ceramic. Damon, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast and to feature your music. Of course, I'm no stranger to your music. We've played, um, I think, the f- some of the first submissions that we started receiving from you were from the Tender Hearth release, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is really gorgeous. Thank and you. I think we've also got some from the cast breath is released, but now you've got this brand new single where I'm that I'm that I've listened to deeply and just really excited. But I'm super excited to have you on the program. Welcome. It's great. Thank you, Michael. I'm really excited to to be a part of this. Yeah, you're one of the uh, first uh, radio shows that I actually submitted music to, and um, so I thank you for being so open and welcoming especially yeah. the new musicians. Well, we're the program is a much different beast than your average program because <laughs> I, I'm, quite honestly, I'm really more interested in the, the independent artists who are slogging it hard and, and they're working tirelessly to try and make it heard and make it available and accessible to wider audiences. So I, I really love talking to... The people who are just working really hard on their own end to get their music out there and don't necessarily have the luxury of a label and a budget to work with. So, for me, that's a that's a big part of the the fun of the whole thing. Um, I get to use both sides of my brain creating ambient music. You know, one side is actually creating the sounds, and yeah. um, and whenever I'm in the promotional zone and you know, trying to figure out how to get this release out there, get listeners. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a fun little challenge to to put those pieces together. Yeah. What what are, what are some of the things that you've you found yourself having to adapt to, and and some of the challenges that you've addressed? How have you addressed some of those things? Well, a lot of the tools that are available these days are for. Uh, for playlisters, for for streaming platforms such as Submit Hub, which is um, probably one of the most useful promotional tools that I've encountered for my genre, at least. Um, one challenge is that ambient music, as you know, Brian Eno said, it has to be as ignorable as it is interesting, and so it's not necessarily something that people are champing at the bit to listen to you know it's hard to get people excited about you know a seven minute instrumental song um so you do have to rely a lot on passive listening you have to just kind of accept that you know to if if you're not 
a big name with millions of followers already. If, you're, if you don't have your music in TV shows and movies, um, you have to rely a lot on playlists, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Pandora. And so a challenge has just been, you know, getting my music to those curators and listening to their feedback whenever, whenever I get a rejection, which is frequent. Um, but just graciously listening to them and um, they do provide a lot of valuable feedback for why they don't accept a song, such as, you know, it's too long or um, you need more elements. Although there's so many different tastes and so many different flavors of ambient music for one curator something might be too lively but the same song somebody else might say it's you know too monotonous mm. so it's it's really That's hard to hard kind to, of that it is hard to navigate the the like what do I adding do? taste and preference Ooh. yeah so you just have to you have to find where you want to go and you have to research all the places that you think your music would be a good fit on at least that's what i've had to do and i've i've identified several playlists that i enjoy listening to and that i think my music would you know vibe with mm -hmm. and so i've just kind of concentrated on those curators and listening to you know what they say to me and how they say and that's it's helped me grow as an artist i mean i've only been i've only been uh releasing as the project ceramic for for a year and so it's it's very new to me um i feel like it's um been like a total crash course and mm. just how to create and release and promote ambient music it's really been enjoyable so you've talked about the 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 effort that it requires to get your music out there and adapting to the, um the criteria that these curators and these playlists have how do you balance what the what is the balance for you in the purity of your self-expression mm -hmm. in your own voice versus kowtowing to the the criteria or the needs of these playlists for me the compositional aspect of my songs are are really where my soul goes i think and so as long as I can put the melodies that come to me in my songs, the way I build the textures or, you know, EQ the track or even edit the length. I mean, I prefer longer, long form pieces. You know, I've got a great attention span. I can listen to an ambient track that's over an hour long and just be so satisfied. But most people want it to be five or four minutes or right. so. And so... Um, in a way, I can, I can kind of expand a long-form piece into like a larger product project and just kind of, you know, chop it up a little bit and mm -hmm. so that, you know, each section is a different song and I can kind of navigate that criteria that way. Um, but as far as like building the texture, the different elements that I add to it, that's, that's all just a... Is that my dog? That's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she is. Yeah, she's a barker. So <laughs> this is this is a recurring theme, and in our home, I'll be in the middle of a voiceover, 
and UPS drives by and <laughs> then then I have to wait 10 minutes until she's done. <laughs> You're probably going to get a lot of that on my end too because um, the cable people are outside working on the pole and so my dog is going to be like really excited about that. That's okay. That'll, um, be, that'll be our natural field recording here of dogs barking <laughs> during an interview. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, back to my train of thought, wherever that was. So how do I um, navigate the challenges and... Um, and what's um, the balance like for you between balance. that? Yeah. It's everything's all about the balance. It's, I feel like I'm not like changing my artistic vision or anything like that to suit another individual or a you know, a playlist or, or even to, to meet the requests of um, different listeners that contact me. Um, it's really just about in the, the mix and the edit and how I, I mean, a lot of it does come down to the length of the track and, and how present the low end is or how present the high end is. So there's, I don't know it's it's a lot of trial and error really and there's um i guess part of my experiment uh, experience experiment this past year has been in releasing shorter eps just to try to see you know where the where the edges are mm. um how far can i go this way how far can i go that way um there's been a few releases that i thought were very much very me. I mean, they felt very, maybe a little self-indulgent. And those weren't received very well. So I was like, okay, mm. so maybe that was too self-indulgent as far as like some of the nostalgic melodies and different tape warbles and stuff like that I added in. So I was like, okay, maybe a little bit less of that or make it a more subtle effect in the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so you're um, kind of, you're you're almost performing like a uh, a litmus test as you're as you're composing and releasing music in a way in a way yeah this is because this is very new to me i mean i'm um i've only been releasing music at all in the past it's three or four years um mm-hmm. although i've been you know writing songs and creating music my whole life since you know about three decades um but really none of that made any sense it was all very from the ego it was all very you know me it was all about writing songs that were trying to get me attention which Mm. felt very um you know wrong for me and so when i started um in the more sound healing realm i i uh, do sound baths um all over arkansas and when I started using sound as a way to, you know, meditate and facilitate healing and calmness, um, things started to change for me. I started to make music for like a different purpose, mm. not just not just to serve my ego, but just to to create something to, you know, soothe and calm and right. just kind of help people drift away. Hmm. 
You mentioned ego, and this is a theme that's been recurring for me as well. And it's come up in other conversations that I've had with other musicians that for them, their music is an extension like of their spiritual practice. Some, you know, uh, with their roots maybe in Buddhist or Taoist traditions, mm -hmm. some with more secular humanist traditions. Um, what's what has kind of led you into that this awakening of that ego is an issue or could potentially be an issue and and how you responded to that and how you evolved during that i think it all relates to um my sobriety i used to be a, a terrible alcoholic mm. um in uh 2019 i just decided to quit drinking and just um after that, everything just started to fall into place for me. And so it was, it was sort of a second adolescence for me. Like every, I mean, I was drunk every day of my adult life, basically, just as a way to, you know, self-medicate and deal with, you know, unresolved trauma from my childhood or, you know, whatnot. Um, and so just quitting drinking and, and just facing the world just as the most authentic version of myself, I had to, I had to figure out what that was. And so it was sort of a, a spiritual awakening as well, even though I don't really follow any certain practice, but right. it was, you know, just me trying to discover who I was again. Mm. Um, and that's what sort of informed the music. That's why I started um, the, the sound therapy training. And that's, that's really what led me into feeling comfortable even releasing mm. music. Um, so it's interesting you mentioned that you know one of for you it was changing your life into embracing sobriety as your norm. And I had a maybe a little bit different but similar experience where I, earlier this year I'd stopped drinking and noticed subtle transformations in myself yeah like a lot less depression for yeah. starters um there's less compulsion and impulsive behavior and, and just an overall lift in my countenance what, what what have been some things that you noticed in yourself when you when you um chose a life of sobriety well, some of the most immediate things I noticed was um, the sensations of just going outside and just just smelling the grass, mm. hearing the wind in the trees. Just everything just felt um, more enhanced in a way. I wasn't as numb to a lot of the little details of the world. Um, that's one of the first things I noticed. I also noticed that um, simple things like... Um, you know, just drinking a cup of herbal tea and um, just sitting in quiet and meditating were just more of a profound effect. Um, I, I definitely felt like I wasn't as anxious all the time, which was strange because I thought I was drinking to, to help with my anxiety. But, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not feeling so... Um, I mean, I'm still a little, like, I got a little social anxiety, I suppose. I'm definitely a loner, but um, 
I don't get as n- nervous about situations that I invent in my head anymore. Mm. Um, I also felt more um, compelled to take care of myself um, as far as like eating healthier, eating better, um, to be more, you know, grateful in my interactions with friends and family and just kind of be less closed off and just be a little bit more open to to just not just receive, but also to give. And but how has been, that kind of translated into when you're creating music? Did you, have you noticed a difference in like the tone and even the process of creating? What's oh, for sure. Um, well, now it's it's more like it's it's not about me. It's more about I don't know. It's, I sometimes feel like melodies are just coming to me from some other place. I don't feel as much like it's coming from from within. And so I feel more like I'm channeling something, some kind of energy, some sort of feeling. Um, and it, that's not something I, I think I ever noticed before. Um, I mean, I've been getting, and some people have intrusive thoughts. I get intrusive melodies. And so I used to carry around, um, like in the, the pre-iPhone um, days, I had this little micro cassette recorder I'd take around with me to work everywhere. And, um, just something would come in my head and I would just have to go to the bathroom at work and just like sting it out or something. Um, but so I'm always, something's beaming me down these melodies and before I was just kind of letting them accumulate, I suppose. But now when I receive those, I'm like, what do I do with this? You know, how do I form this into something larger? How do I make it a song? Um, but it's also, I'm not make, making music so much for myself. A lot of the my projects are more about you know, meditation, kind of a like a new age sort of sound meditation vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I don't know. Um, it's definitely changed how I interpret the, the inspiration that I received. Let's step away from the conversation for just a minute, and we're going to listen to the brand new single by Ceramic. This is entitled, Now That You're Here, here on Ambient Discourses.
That's I've noticed that too. You when when you have when your mind is clearer and you have less baggage going on upstairs and less mm-hmm. things that are weighing you down, it almost gives you this higher heightened awareness of things like you like you were saying just even your observations about nature and when you're going on a walk that things seem more vivid right absolutely and i would i so i had this conversation i've started to become friends with robert rich and i just oh, love nice. the, i just love the man to death um we were having this conversation about we were talking about our respective spiritual backgrounds and 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 quite honestly i was soliciting him for his experiences so that i could learn and apply them and learn from them and apply them you know respective different things to my own disciplines and my own journey and and he was talking about how embracing some of the simple universal facets of spirituality for lack of a better term have like the the daily disciplines of simple things of embracing simple life and simple living and yes that that the byproduct of that for him and and others that you know he's seen in this expression that that it creates a more heightened awareness of the beauty in the simple things in the everyday things in the mundane things would you say that that's been kind of true for you yeah yeah that resonates with me as well oh um and there is definitely a a clarity involved you know it's where there was a lot of fog before i quit drinking i mean now there's a lot less fog and so um i do notice a lot of the simple things a lot of the daily tasks I just feel more meaningful um and and i do take more time with them just to kind of enjoy the process and i've also living simply is important to me as well just to have a daily routine and a daily practice that just uh i don't know just helps me helps me keep that clarity going what are some practices that have been indispensable for you? I know you've mentioned meditation. Are there other things that have become indispensable things that like if you if you missed like if you skipped out on one of your practices, you would notice the effect in your life? Yeah, for sure. Um well, I don't know if you can see all the gongs that are yeah. around me, but um, every morning, the first thing I do before, well, I let my dog out first, but then <laughs> after that, <laughs> um, I, I sit down in front of a gong and I, and I will, will meditate. I will just play the gong and I will just connect with it. Um, and I do that um, every single day. I've done that every day for four years. Um, and I, it helps set the tone for the day. I, I, I use a different gong for each chakra. And so, um, you know, one day will be, you know, my root chakra. Um, today it was my sacral chakra. Um, and I'll just, you know, maybe it'll take about 10 or 15 minutes that I'll, I'll sit and I'll breathe with it and I'll play 
play the gong and just listen to it. And for me, that also indicates where I'm out of alignment. And so gongs are very sensitive. If, if, if it's not resonating with me, that's telling me that, you know, I've kind of gone off a little bit and I need to try to find my way back to my center. Um, so I definitely love starting my, my day with the gongs because it just kind of helps me know where I am. Um, and if I'm okay where I'm at, or if I need to try to adjust my course a little, um, so that's, that's definitely something I would, I, I, I don't think I could go on a vacation without my gongs or anything because I would, I would definitely miss that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what are some other things that have been really valuable for you? Like, are there any um, books or authors or types of subject matter that you're regularly reading or podcasts or other things that have been beneficial for you? Well, um, I also, I, I host a radio program of my own on, on Sundays. And so that's, I've been doing that almost a year now. And okay. so that would become that would definitely be a, a ritual that is very meaningful to me. It's called Rivulets and Reveries. Um, and it's a, it's a two hour soundscape of ambient mm -hmm. contemplated instrumental music and just receiving all of that music from different artists and labels and, mm -hmm. and finding a way to piece all of it together in a way that is, you know, a, a mindful flow. I mean, that's, that's another daily thing that that I uh, I definitely look forward to. But yeah, that's I, I, I listen to, to ambient music I mean every moment that I can. Not mm -hmm. just for, you know, the radio show, but just because it's I'm I'm just obsessed with it. How long have you been doing the radio program? And tell me more about um, it. so it's I started in August of last year. So I, I'm I think I've had 47 episodes so far. Okay. Um, it's called Rivulets and Reveries. It's on KOBVLP, Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, so it's on a, a community radio station in Bentonville, which is a, a really vibrant arts center. Um, I'm in Little Rock, so I do the show remotely. Um, but it's... Um, it's very... atmospheric soothing and relaxing i don't um, i don't play anything with like a, a strong rhythmic presence or a beat and um, no discernible lyrics or words so there's been a lot of really wonderful songs that i've had to pass on just because there's like maybe a few spoken words in the background right. yeah. um and i i i always start with a body of water so um, a song that has, you know, something about the ocean or a lake or a sea in the title. Um, and I always, I know I'm going to start there. And then I just kind of let that song guide me to the next song, the next song. Um, and then I always end with a reverie, a dream. And so I always, I create these bookends mm. and I fill in one is body of water, one is a dream. And I just try to find two hours of music between there. Yeah. Um, in addition, I'm always, always will play at least one Arkansas artist. 
um, which can be challenging because there's not very many of us that, that, that fit my format. There's a, a lot of more rootsy Americana type acts here in Arkansas. And there's also a lot of noise experimental when I go over to the instrumental side. And so to find the more peaceful and gentle, drifty sort of music, it's a little bit challenging. Um, but I also always make sure that I'm always playing, uh, playing female artists as well. I don't want it to be just a boys club. And I, um, also make sure that I'm always representing um, people of color, indigenous yeah. people as well, which is also difficult sometimes because yeah. a lot of our, um, a lot of ambient musicians don't make their identity very visible. And so usually it's, you just never know if it's a man or a woman who is creating the music. Right. That of course is a, is a tremendous challenge trying to approach inclusion in playlists and inclusion in programs, um, ensuring that there's gender equity and that there's um, that you're adequately representing people of different minority groups. Um, of course, on on many levels, gender really is kind of irrelevant. But to your point of inclusion and making an effort, it is a little bit of a challenge. Uh, especially when identity is more intangible and it's more associated with a concept than it is uh, someone as an individual. But, you know, uh, there are many fantastic women in ambient music representing so many different facets of ambient music. Just to name a few that we've featured on the program and it's uh, of course a small number but we've had like in the neoclassical and solo piano realm we've played music from alicia redmond uh who are some other ones we've got claire fitch and idis avenson and who are some other ones we've got jamie sieber kate moore uh kristen miller uh, maya sand and of course, on the traditional ambient and even some of the uh, more avant-garde side of things, you've got some of the artists like Avenue Azure. Uh, one of the members of that act is is a woman. Uh, you've got Christina Giannone, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, and Elen. Elen, we've played on the program numerous times. Uh, plus. On the more new age side of things, of course, we've got Sherry Finzer. Love Sherry Finzer. She's, love her. She's a gem of a human being. Uh, I love her flute, indigenous flute playing. And she, as, of course, she runs Heart Dance Records label, mm -hmm. and she's been instrumental in helping other people. Pardon the pun there. Uh, she <laughs> actually, actually, I don't pardon my pun. I, I am, <laughs> I am gonna just pun. fully embrace my dad joke. So let's check out another track from Ceramic. This is actually one of the first tracks that we were introduced to. This comes from the Tender Hearth EP and is called Still This Untended Hearth Remembers Blue Blazes here on Ambient Discourses.
to kind of breach into another topic of of when we are looking or relying on the listenership of things and we see well only five people liked my music and i <laughs> i sold enough on Bandcamp last year to buy myself a cup of coffee maybe two um or i i have enough to go get 25 cents out of my spotify listeners <laughs> <laughs> So it can be so disheartening. It can. Um, um, and it's it is a lot of work sometimes, and it's exhausting, especially if you have a you know a full time job like I do, and you're also doing other things, or like you know if you're raising a family, I don't know how you'd be able to balance all of that, and then having to push yourself to put this music out, and then see like oh, I love this song, and it, it only got five spends in its first month um but yeah that's it's it is absolutely disheartening if your motivation is if you at least have any sort of attachment to a response even even negative responses but but i so to get, almost get zen for just a minute what do you think how, or how do you think attachment plays its in a role in how we process those sorts of things? Well, I think sometimes we can kind of get hooked on that validation. Like when we do have a song that's um, been successful, however we define success. So we get attached to that feeling of those kudos, people saying, oh, I love that song. You know, watching the numbers grow every day. Uh, if you're looking at your your streaming numbers, um, so it it can be dangerous to get attached to that because then, you know, if your next release isn't as consistent, then it's crushing, um, and then it's, it's it's hard to find the motivation to to keep creating more music and keep trying again um you do have to free yourself from attachments in a way you do have to sort of well somewhat accept that you're putting the music out in the world it'll find the people that need to listen to it um and just let it be like that um it is kind of nice to to see those big numbers when you have a successful song but um you can't just you can't just let that be the thing that motivates you to keep going because it's it's not sustainable um that being said um i think the most artist friendly streaming platform is probably pandora which is it's it's only here in the U.S., so like a lot of international artists um, can't. Well, they can still put their music on it, but they wouldn't be able to listen to it. But they have a lot of amazing tools to, to promote your songs, and um, and I'm just a little feather in my cap. I've got 1.7 million streams on Pandora, hmm. which is um, like well over a million more than any other platform <laughs> <laughs> um so it's 
so for me personally, like I've I've gotten a paycheck from from a couple different songs there that was enough to pay for my mortgage. Um, and so that was a huge boost to my self-esteem. And, um, but at the same time, I, you know, cashing that check, I'm like, I know this is, this is not the norm. This is just like a little bonus. This is just a little neat little thing that happened. Surely I'm not going to get a nice little paycheck every month. But, um, so Pandora, though, is highly recommended. If, if you don't have a presence on that platform, definitely need to to make sure that you're you're using their tools. Um, they they have a really great algorithm too. Um, they have this musical genome that uh, whenever you submit your songs to them, it will it will look for hundreds of different criterias tone texture and everything and they use that information to to sort the music together and mm. um i don't know i've i've been very lucky that their algorithms have selected quite a few of my songs to to get played on different stations mm-hmm. um, so big shout out to pandora thank you for 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 giving my music a, a fair shot yeah, that's it's really. I think that's a valuable um, tip for for all for the listeners that are musicians. I would even add to that um, if you use a submission service like I use Amuse. Amuse is a fantastic mm. one. I've I've had nothing but good things to say about them. They've been very accommodating um, when I have special needs or requests. Like I went through three, was it three or like three or four different submission services until I finally found one that would be accommodating to my insanely long album titles. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how long are your album titles? Well, all right. Side side story. Okay. Uh, (laughs) When I first, so I. I've been making instrumental music for a number of years, uh, a couple of decades, but then I finally started the reaching out to make ambient music in 2021. But it was as an extension of a Twitch stream that I was running. Mm-hmm. So I was it was a mix of pre-composed music that I created on stream during one point of the week and then I had what I just dubbed in the relay station. It was it was, yeah. a, it was a time when I would live stream some of the compositions that I made that week prior, and then follow it up with improv for the rest of the stream. And so I would collect all these pieces and go, "I like that one, that one, that one. Mm-hmm. These are other ones." <laughs> and I would compile these into releases every month. But I wanted to make sh- sure that people that see the album title knew that this was not my normal stuff that I was make prior to that. So it branded gotcha. it Relay Station and I had these slashes and then the year and then the month name in um, Latin and <laughs> or maybe no it was French. Was it French? Yeah it was French and <laughs> I don't know why French. I just went with French Um. And the first couple 
submission services that I used, they were changing my album titles without oh, my no. cons- without my consent. No, no. <laughs> and there was one in I'm not going to name them out right, but there was one service that this was a perpetual problem and I kept and I would have to submit tickets saying no you are not allowed to do this if you're going to make changes to any of my metadata you need my consent first holy cow and and it was to the point where like I had already established the precedent out on Apple iTunes which is the big thing that they're most concerned about being accepted at Apple Music and uh, but I was like, I already have albums out there that have this naming convention. Allow my stuff, and it, this was a monthly thing. And finally, it wasn't until I found Amuse, and then once I got through the initial hurdle of transferring music over, they've been a dream to work with. Um, but leading back to circling back to our conversation about Pandora. One additional tip that I would give is to make sure you babies, baby, and this is not for you, but for everyone else, to make <laughs> sure that you babysit those initial submissions yes. into Pandora. Because I noticed initially that some of my submissions weren't even making it in. And I right. had to go back and proactively go we submitted this and here's the ISRC numbers and all of the things. And, and then eventually the albums made their way into the, the playlist or the, into their repository. But, um, it, uh, that little extra handholding of your submissions pays off. Yeah. One, one thing I've noticed, um, from being a curator myself and accepting submissions from a lot of different artists is that, Nobody seems to realize that Pandora is a curated service. And so even though your distributor, your aggregator may send the music to Pandora, um, it's still just available for their premium on-demand listeners. If you want to be in their radio service, you have to go in and you have to submit each song. And it's it's just, it's just one extra step. Yeah. Um, but it makes a huge difference. But... I, I, I have enjoyed like finding a presence on each of these different platform um, streaming platforms. Um, some that I, you know, I can't even listen to because I have an American IP address. But um, like uh, Angami, um, GeoSav, um, there's all kinds of different streaming platforms around the world that if you if you maintain a presence there, they have tools for you know pitching your music to their playlist. You can build your own playlist, and um, so it's it's important to kind of not that anyone really has the time to do this, but babysit your music mm-hmm. on every platform. Um, I also have to do it just because um, my name is Ceramic, and there are a couple dozen other ceramics out there creating. Yep. Um, other music and so sometimes it gets my songs get put on the wrong profile and so like I have this whole ritual after I make a release I'm like okay email iHeart Music um, email all these other places Deezer I'm like it's almost like you have to have the template to handle those situations and just copy paste (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's um, 
some of them are have just the best service. Like iHeartRadio is just Johnny on the spot. Like every time I send them a request, they're like, they get it handled fast. Um, some other platforms like YouTube takes a little bit longer. I've noticed um, they've, I mean, they've got a lot going on. So yeah, don't blame do. them. Um, Amazon takes a little bit longer too. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's important just to, to have a little bit of control over how your music is mm-hmm. being presented out there as well. So um, babysitting is a, it's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to pause the conversation for again here for just a moment and check out a track from Ceramics 2022 EP release, Cast Breath. This is entitled Cast Your Breath Upon the Waters here on Ambient Discourses.
How did how did you um, settle in on the name ceramic? Um, it's it's long been one of my favorite words, mm-hmm. and there's really two reasons. There's um, there's a song by one of my favorite singers that nobody really knows about. Her name's Heather Nova, um, and on her second album, Siren, the last song, Not Only Human, one of the lines is, when you're sleeping, you're ceramic. You're surrounded by little stars. Every shimmer is a searchlight. Every galaxy is ours. And that's just one of those, yeah, it's, it's, oh, and her voice, I don't know if you ever listened to her, but her delivery is just, it just gives me chills, chills and like, I mean, as a teenager listening to that, it was just, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it fits with me every day. Um, so the, the word ceramic was, whenever I was thinking about what should I call this, I'm like, oh, I'll just call it ceramic. Mm. But I also, um, I sort of thought about the, my process for shaping the sounds. Ceramic is all, it's all in the piano roll most of the music I, I do is just very improvisational with real instruments, you know, singing bowls, gongs, harps, flutes. Um, but when I started ceramic just exactly a year ago, um, I just wanted to, to disconnect from, I guess I was feeling needed to disconnect from, from, from humanity, from, from real, the real world. Um, just feeling very frustrated at the time um and one reason for that was because it was the fourth of july in my neighborhood is very boisterous there's a lot of fireworks illegal fireworks (laughs) and (laughs) celebratory gunfire all around me so um it was hard to record anything with microphones with all this noise and it was my little dog and me our nerves were shot so i just woke up one day and i was like well what is what is this piano roll i mean can't i just like make little little dots in this little grid i mean and and so i started thinking of like oh this is kind of this is my clay and i'm shaping these little sounds into like a little vessel to hold this feeling this emotion that i'm having and so that's uh that's another i was just thinking about ceramics and um i have a friend um his name's ian and he is an actual ceramic artist he creates uh, very interesting ceramic pieces and he had given me this ceramic mug and i just thought the texture on the very bottom of it was so beautiful it was just so so smooth and pure and so i took a like a like a picture of just the bottom of it and i'm i don't know why but i'm like oh that's that i used that as the cover for my first release because it was just just the texture of it was just so smooth and clean and it just mm. just resonated with me but yeah. that's that's what that's why i picked ceramic that's that, a long you know story. <laughs> that metaphor resonates with me as well that's it's a it's a way of explaining at least my musical process similarly it's it's sculpting it you know, is sculpting. You start out with a rough idea, a rough medium. You know, maybe it's a drone, maybe it's a melodic yeah. component, or maybe it's this particular sound or sample. And then you start 
whittling away at that, adding on different things, kind of, and sculpting as you go, and and the refinement process kind of you know maybe happens later, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a rough sculpture in mm-hmm. itself. And but yeah, that that resonates with me. Mm. Yeah, maybe the the glazing and the, is the adding the different effects right. and the reverbs and delays, and then when you master it, you're putting it in the kiln getting it yeah. ready yeah um, so yeah so i i just i like the word too the way it just rolls off the tongue ceramic mm-hmm. um i don't like that so many other people are using it though that is kind of a hassle well <laughs> let, let me help at least make things feel a little bit more pleasant and acceptable for you it's a lot it's a lot easier to deal with having a name that is not a uniquely generated word like mm. stolas <laughs> where continually search engines and all of the algorithms are oh you mean solace no i don't no i don't <laughs> i and and it's the default i have routinely been once in a while i'll just kind of email spotify or youtube and like Please add Stolas into your lexicon, please. <laughs> it's driving me nuts, and it's literally driving other people away. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so why to... did you pick Stolas? That's you a good question. Generated. So when back in 2019, and I'll make this short, so I'm not taking up all the time, but here, but I I had reached a point in my life when I was angry all the time. Mm. And part of it was informed by our political culture here in the United States and feeling powerless. But I was just angry with humanity. I was angry with myself. And I I just felt like completely powerless to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I somehow the the algorithms in the universe aligned on YouTube and I came across an introduction on the philosophy of stoicism okay and oh and I was like ha huh. and it was this practical framework for how to deal with your emotions your exp- ex- your your uh, opinions about things your attachments, your versions. Mm. And I started out by trying to work that out and apply it to some of the, the lower hanging fruit aspects of my life, like how I behave in, in my commute to work <laughs> back when, <laughs> back when you actually commuted into work. Um, and other facets of my life and then I started to see how that was changing me and for the better and empowering me to start to care less about externals. The, the Stoics are really big about externals, about um, don't, they, in fact, they have, a, they have a tool called the dichotomy of control, understanding mm-hmm. the difference between what is in your control and what is not. Okay. The, the things that are in your control are very finite. There's a very small list. It's, it's your opinions, it's your actions, your speech, um, to some extent your thoughts, um, and things that are 
basically if it's coming out of your if it's coming out of your pie hole <laughs> or coming out of your extremities as an expression of yourself and you have agency that's within your control yeah um, whereas the things that are out of your control you have no business worrying about in fact you're you're wasting energy you're you're um even to draw parallels into Taoism or um, or uh, or Zen Buddhism or whatever, you you are creating suffering for yourself. Yes. And when I started to see how that had shaped me and changed me, I decided oh, I'm going to apply this to my music. Well, at the time, I had, was not making music, and I was very close to just selling all of my gear hanging it up because I too like many other artists was really frustrated because no one was listening to my music and I felt why why the why the hell am I doing this right and when I I went on a long nature walk and I decided and I was processing through some of the, the facets of stoicism but then I decided why am I not applying this to music and that and so then I started going through the exercise of alright as it pertains to creating music what's in my control and the list was really small <laughs> I can I can control how often I practice to some extent you know as my schedule allows I can um, do my very best I can come to music creation composition with a good attitude or an open attitude um, I can also reduce my opinions about um, what's important things like I don't need to be heard I don't need the listens on yeah. Spotify I don't need the things that are expressions of the commodifying of music and and all of the other things were just, you know, out of my control and no, were slowly becoming more and more irrelevant the more that I continued to work on this. And it required work. It required journaling. It required thinking about these things and meditating on these things and actively rooting out some of the things that fed into my imposter syndrome, fed into my fear of rejection, fed into my depression because no one's listening to my stuff. And so all that to see, so stoicism had a very profound effect in terms of reshaping the place from which I create music. And as I started to venture out into creating music again with that new framework, I decided I want my music to be representative of those ideas and that space. And so that's where kind of, I took the term stoicism and mixed it with the word solace or solace, yeah. the idea of that here's the tool, here's the framework that started the process, and here's the desired outcome, is I want to be in a place of peace and a place of serenity and contentment regardless of what the outcome is, and to be fully content, fully present, 
in what I create as a leading to your one of your earlier points that you're a conduit you're opening yourself yeah. up to the mysterious force of the universe and being available and ready and sensitive to whatever happens and then you just express yourself express yourself you know and just pour it out and then you know balancing the emotion with the intellect coming back to it and going okay yeah this is good now what do i realistically need to refine here to make to maybe help improve its listenability or to yeah. maybe remove some of the the facets where i get a little too self-indulgent <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's kind of how that's how i settle in on the name stolas but i tell you though for the amount of times I, I, I deal with it every day. Every time I have to post something, you know, and I rely on, like, for instance, AI or other things to try and help me generate captions and whatnot, <laughs> it's a perpetual frustration. Where, yep, yep, okay, here it comes. It's come to the point where, like, on my phone or on my uh, computer, I have shortcuts for replacing soulless real estate with Stolas Relay Station. <laughs> I, in fact, I've, I've started collecting this list of bad, like the, the equivalent of bad lip reading <laughs> with, with all of the variations of Stolas Relay Station that I've seen in terms of autocorrect. And it's, it's the, the list is kind of amusing. There's a little bit of irony there in that a, a name you've chosen due to wanting to be free of attachments um, is creating so many frustrations. And, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, it has become another attachment. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, yeah, I, that, while I was listening to you t talk about the stoicism and, and all the ways in which it relates to your creative process and, and life in general, it's just, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I feel that too. I'm mm. that, that was very meaningful to me. Um, oh, good. So thank you for thank you for sharing that. It's, oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, I I think that's a very universal thing to to want to to be free and to to just kind of not let all those things bother you. You know, mm. whether you're in traffic or just whatever the low hanging fruit may be. Yeah. <laughs> There was, um, so I think this might have been Ram Das. I think when he was talking about, um, and he was he comes kind of more of like the an Eastern religion, uh, Eastern spiritual and mysticism mm -hmm. tradition. Uh, but he was talking about creativity and the unique predicament that we have in the West, or at least the the, the broader West perspective that ego is so much a part of. The, the equation of creation whereas in the east many if not most artists don't ascribe their name at all to their works oh. and this idea of well I'm just the vessel so why does my na name yes. to be on this I think about like for example the, the Buddhist monastic tradition of 
uh, creating the works of art with sand and soil and rocks, colored, different colored textures and materials to create these elaborate works of art on the ground only for it all to be swept up and discarded at the end of the day. Just very ephemeral. Yeah, it is like, <laughs> it's, I think it's, I think it's a perspective that would be really interesting to see how that could play out for us as creators to where we, where the, the greater value becomes in the meditative process of creating mm -hmm. music and caring less and less and less about the actual final product and yeah. what happens as a result. That's hard for me to fathom. I'm something of a hoarder in, in lots of ways, yeah. um, not just material things, but like ideas and um, decades worth of cassettes of just fragments of melodies yeah. and things that I just, I want to save, but I have no real intention of doing anything with it all um that's that's something that's hard for me to, to grasp i i don't i wonder why i don't know why do i is there like a like a security aspect of it where i feel like if i hang on to these things and um then hmm. i just feel more safe i don't know um but yeah what, what, the idea of creating something that's just there for a moment and then disappears it's it's hard to get to although um um whenever i'm presenting a sound bath i mean it is like that in a way i never think about what i'm going to play beforehand i'm just kind of there in the moment to you know play the singing bowls and the harps and flutes and just kind of just let the sound exist in that space for those people um and so, in a way, it's it's kind of like that, but it, I hadn't thought about how to relate that to actually creating music. That, I think, is, I think that's a direct parallel. That, in fact, I, I'm having these, rec these, this crossover, like, this, and it feels like electricity <laughs> in my brain. I had this conversation with, when I was talking with Robert yesterday, Robert Rich, and mm -hmm. he can't think of it now darn it did the, you record a session with him i or? did i and i oh. record i recorded but you know actually he and i initially when we were talking about having this conversation i said i want to record this but for my own benefit i said mm. maybe if we both find this to be universally edifying for other people i'll release it in the podcast but i said to be honest this is for me and i like I've I've been this sponge lately, where, like I had, um, last year is when I really started. Last summer I started meditating more frequently, and it started out as, like a therapeutic thing, like just trying to calm my mind down, but then I really started to have, um, a little bit of an awakening, you know, and I started coming across some of these other philosophers or teachers or whatever, you know, they're squarely in more of the mystic camps. Yeah. Um, like I think about Alan Watts, uh, some of the things that he's had to say, and and I alluded to Ram Dass, 
Um, I don't really ascribe to any particular religion, but but I feel like there's something bigger, and I and I can I can glom onto like the 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 scientific or the the physics approach to things like how really even um, as you start to dive into the depths of who we are that you know we have all of these cells and even the cells are themselves are made up of molecules and those molecules yeah. made up of atoms and even how our skin how we feel like it's this physical barrier between us and the world that barrier is permeable and and robert rich was talking about here we go um <laughs> this idea that 40 percent of us is dna from other things viruses uh oh. other cellular life other things bacteria both harmful and good and beneficial bacteria and that really the boundaries of who we are is is permeable and by extension that we really have a connectivity to each other that is masked by the illusion of self and other and so now yeah so now i know where exactly i was going with this <laughs> this thank you universe this idea of that there is something broader there there's a greater sense of connection to you know some people use the the term god some people use the term buddha allah that's their metaphors some people use the i use the more broad term of universe because there's mm -hmm. less baggage yeah for me at least in my history but this idea of this we have a shared space as individuals and that really behind it all we're all one we're all a part of this massive ecosystem and the idea of ego is a myth the idea of ego this us versus them mentality is an illusion and a, a and a well-intended lie that we tell ourselves <laughs> I a well-intended lie I want to make sure that well-intended is in there because you know we we're since we i would like to think that humanity is generally sincere about our observations you know and we have to to some extent have this vocabulary of to be able to talk about things but back to kind of the the taoist and the zen traditions this idea of unity with the cosmos with each other um that in that unity we find that everything is a verb and not a noun hmm. that as we as we live our life as we express ourselves as we respond to things as we look in everything about us is a verb and it's the hmm. nouns that lead to these problems of when we have to label things like 
Yes, um, okay. So I'm thinking of the way we label ourselves. Like you, if if I were to try and point to myself, what is me? <laughs> what am I? Am I these hands? Am I this body? Am I my thoughts? Am I my mind? Am I in my experiences? And to some extent, yes. And <laughs> we are each other. And I know that gets into really loosey-goosey stuff where Aunt Mildred would be like, "Ah, that, that's, that's crazy. Next thing you're gonna be, you're, next thing you know, you're gonna be this Hari Krishna, and you're gonna be handing out flowers at the airport." <laughs> but the the idea, though, that we're interdependent and we're all a part of the same ecosystem, and that we're we feed into each other and we're dependent on one another. I think it it would be really interesting to see that played out in how we create. Because that brings us back to of why we create, I think. Yeah. This yeah. idea of observing the universe and allowing the, the, the natural energy and influence of our environment, of the things that we see and the things that we experience and to coalesce into some sort of response. Wow, yeah. That's... Um... I fully agree with that as well. I, I, I do think that we are all interconnected. Even myself is kind of a a loner. I, I, I guess I feel I have to protect my own energy a lot, but sure. I, I still value that interconnectedness. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that is why I create. That is maybe the intention of I don't know, just pulling something out from that universal, that central source, that infinite fountainhead, and just letting that filter through me. And maybe that's just a, that expression is just a way I can be a part of the interconnectedness of yeah. everything and, and just feel more one with everything else because um that's just the 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 output and the input that that feels comfortable to me yeah if you hmm. think about it it's kind of an it's I've, I've used this analogy before too that as we create and even on the 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 yin yang opposite mm -hmm. of that as we even destroy it's it's a continuation of the energy emitted from the Big Bang, you know. If you know to use that as a metaphor of yeah. itself too, you think about represented in the universe, both the destructive and the creative powers of stars as they change their status, or the the way that certain chemicals or compounds come and collide together to create or destroy full ecosystems you know of different kinds or different planetary states or different um, cosmic bodies and we're kind of a microcosmic representation of that I think we are it's uh, you know, as above so below as they say I mean yeah yeah, every atom is its own little 
whole solar system. And so it, that's that's a comforting thought to think about for me. It's just to to think of myself as its own little universe in a way, and itself just a, a tiny little part in a greater universe. Uh, and carrying that further, that you are also the universe that you to to you know to balance it out so that you one doesn't belittle themselves too much well i'm just Mm -hmm. the small part of just a little daddy you're more than that (laughs) (laughs) you are a part of that cosmos the part of that greater expression and there is no us them there is it's it's we kind of thinking wow you've uh you've got a lot of really valuable insights into like the spiritual components into, you know, music, art, and life. And it's, it's really enjoying <laughs> listening to your side of this. <laughs> it, it hasn't come without, you know, without the, the, the difficulty and the struggle to get through that. You know, it's, there's a lot of ego stuff that I've had to dismantle. And Do you feel like you've been successful in dismantling a lot of it? I'm getting there. Getting I, there? I don't. I don't feel. You know, it's. I don't think it's a journey where I'll ever arrive. But mm. I think having some sort of awakening. One, I think that's really important for changing your perspective you need to have some sort of awakening and it has to be unique to you in your own experience your own history because i even if i were to lay out my own pattern for how i've come to my own awakening it's not going to be work for everyone you know right some people have had their awakening from psilocybin and ayahuasca type rituals others have had their awakening they were washing the dishes and suddenly had a realization that why am I doing things this way? Or some have come through therapy or other life-altering experiences. But um, it's all of this has really been birthed out of tired of my own shit, tired of my own mm-hmm. ego getting in the way, tired of it mattering. Right. Why does it matter that I only had five Spotify listens last month or whatever, you know? <laughs> Why does it matter? And and I think that if we stop to ask ourselves these sorts of questions and be willing to probe hard, ask lots of deep questions of ourselves, seek out, be curious. That's the big thing, the be curious part. Yeah. Being willing to set aside the things that we have come to accept as the norm or as acceptable or as gospel or whatever you want to call it Um, and wanting to investigate and learning from other people even Mm. learning from people that we disagree with I think that's been very crucial Um, otherwise like like and I'll use Ram Das as an example. I first of all, I don't ascribe to Hinduism. I don't ascribe to the idea of reincarnation and some of the other really out there spiritual concepts. I I, I really wrestle with, and I some of them I just fundamentally don't buy into. However, to hold that into tight balance, 
there have also been a lot of really profound things that Ram Dass has said that made me go, ha, huh, maybe I, let me play with this idea. And there's nothing wrong with taking an idea that even you disagree with or is challenging to your sensibilities and playing around with it in your mind, writing about it, journaling about it, and taking the time to ask yourself questions and think about how, how you feel or how you respond to some of this stuff. I think that that is what leads people to come to these deep spaces, the, the, the deep space that I've found. I, you know, there's, and it's completely acceptable in my mind if people want to be completely mechanical about their music and that there's no depth to it. It's totally cool, totally cool. And in the same breath, I, I think there's a, an, a wonderful opportunity for, for artists, for creators that are willing to step out of their comfort zone and start approaching life, philosophy, spirituality, everything with curious, curiosity and as minimal judgment as possible. Mm -hmm. I think it can have a profound transformative experience on you as a human being as you as an artist and creator um, and I think it can have an effect in such a way that it's beautiful it, it makes things more beautiful and more sweet and going back to some of the oneness this, this, uh, this concept of there is no you and me there is only us we we the universe we the collective consciousness it makes it so much easier or accessible to treat people with love oh yeah which has been one of my yogas uh, to use that term the my karma yoga which is a path of using life your life as it is your daily work the people that you meet that that way for me has been um, an exercise of the the more difficult people in my life how can I love them without mm. judgment how can I treat them the way that I want to be treated? How can that complete stranger that I see on a walk greet them in such a way that they feel like they just had a touch point in the universe, like, wow, they were so friendly, <laughs> so nice, and leave a mark, you know? Oh, yeah. And so that's... I second that emotion. Yeah. It's there's something about it. It can really have a transformative experience for yourself and for other people. At least it has the potential. But first and foremost, like I think about, um, like Mother Teresa, as an example. 
people think, you know, oh, it's, it was so nice how she treated the lepers and, and whatnot, but she wasn't doing it for the lepers because the minute you, you start doing something for someone else, you have an us-them relationship now mm. where it was her motive is really I'm doing this to draw me in, in, in her worldview drawing me closer to God by um, ministering to one of God's more disturbing manifestations it's about the verb not the noun yes yeah right and bringing and bringing love to that space bringing love acceptance mercy compassion to all the facets and expressions of the universe that we find ourselves in yeah <laughs> so. we're going to take one more break here to listen to another track from ceramic this is from his Tender Hearth EP, and this is entitled The Enduring Warmth, here on Ambient Discourses.
that curiosity is a valuable component as well i um you know a lot of times i think we have this predetermined outcome and and we, we become so settled on achieving that and, and we we don't become curious and adaptable to the the events as they unfold and you know information that comes to us if it's conflicting or we disagree with it we just we filled it away instead of just taking it in and just kind of observing observing how it affects us or you know why we disagree with it um, yeah it's those are some very valuable insights mm. The, the mind job that this does for me is one of the things Ramdas says is whenever he's when whenever he was teaching some you know a group of people or providing a lecture he says he would always start out saying what I'm about to say is something that you already know within yourself yeah <laughs> which is an absolute mind job it's like wait I already know all this and of course you know he would further explain that to know this you have to quiet yourself down you have to strip away your ego and just listen and quiet down the mind and and the, the things start to come to you over time but yeah this is true i i'm really i've really enjoyed our conversation damon yeah me too thank you michael i've um yeah I, you know, I never know really what know what to expect, but um, again, just being curious and open to things. Yeah. You've, um, I wish I was taking notes because there's a lot of things that I guess I can listen back to this later. And- <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I I have been doing that every every podcast episode as it publishes out. I go back and listen, and I and I listen again with new ears, like what can I learn this time around you know what can I pick up again and and I think it's it's good to kind of meditate on these things and yeah. and and I, in fact that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast to begin with the podcast is really just the exterior wrapping you know the packaging the real meat and potatoes is I'm curious and I, I want to get to know other musicians dive into their head, dive into their thinking and the things that drive them as a human being and and try my best to come at it with curiosity and a desire to learn. Doesn't always happen. You know, once in a while we I have slog, interviews that I have to slog through and I'm like, there's no way this is going to be entertaining to listen to. But it's, I, I want I want to learn from other people and I want to also give them the gift of a deep listen to their music mm-hmm. and be able to go, man, I really liked this facet of your music or this is what you did and, and reaffirm it with love and excitement, enthusiasm and, you know, maybe a couple extra listens on Spotify or yes. Apple Music, you know, <laughs> by drawing a few other listeners to it. So that's it's, it's my yoga. It's my my path that I've. So. Well, it's definitely uh, it's felt like a gift to me. So I, I, I thank you so much. You're for, welcome. For offering. 
<laughs> My thanks to Damon Hoffman of the Music Project Ceramic. What a splendid conversation. You can find more music from Ceramic out at Bandcamp at ceramicsounds.bandcamp.com. You can also find information about Damon's radio program called Rivulets and Reveries, which is a weekly ambient music show on 103.3 FM KOBV Bentonville Community Radio with archives available on Mixcloud. You can tune in live Sunday nights from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., as well as find more information at Linktree slash Rivulets and Reveries. That's Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Rivulets and Reveries. The links and other information are provided below in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. Until next time, take care.